so uh, that people gravitate toward that because it has some great promises in it. It also, uh, in this chapter, it mentions the Holy Spirit 19 different times. So it's saturated with the Spirit of God. It's saturated. I like what we had on the board there about it's being finished at the cross. Let's look at verse 1, and here's why that's great. Great news. That's good news today. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Why is that possible? Why can we not be condemned? Why do we condemn ourselves? We condemn ourselves often as Christians because we have the mindset that, hey, you know, I think I should be perfect. I shouldn't uh, have a failure anywhere in life. I shouldn't uh, think the thoughts I do. I shouldn't act out those thoughts that I do. And we forget that we're still flesh. But the Lord knows we're still flesh, but it's not based on, you know, your good works. Here's another example. People think that if I do enough good, I'll get favor with God. And, and that's a lie. You won't. God can bless you, your efforts, whatever, but you're not going to get favor with Him. The only way that you and I get favor with God is because we have Jesus in our hearts. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, you have no favor with God. And your good works are not something that God looks at and says, well, now you're more acceptable. You're more acceptable now because you've done so much good. No, that's not true. God accepts you strictly on what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why that word said it was finished on the cross. It's so vital. It's so important. And we need to saturate our hearts and our minds with that truth. With that truth, because what happens as Christians, if you've not been a Christian for a long time, uh, you don't realize maybe this statement, but you're, you're back and forth. You're on a roller coaster ride. Even as an older Christian, you can be the same way. But as younger Christians, Satan's going to mess with your mind saying, oh, well, you didn't think right, you didn't say that right, you didn't pray right, you didn't read, you didn't even receive Jesus with the right words. Like there's a patent test that you have to pass and, and do to get accepted by God. And it's strictly through Jesus. That's what that first verse is so critical to us as the church today. And if you don't have Christ in your heart, if you're here today and you're, you're lost, uh, you have a fear. You know, that song was also about not having fear. You have a fear, and people have fears. One of the main fears that people have is, when I die, what's going to happen to me? Is there life after death? Is this Bible, is that true, or can that be so? Can I live, can you live a carefree life? Are you carefree right now? You know why? And we're all susceptible to that. We're all susceptible to having anxieties and fears and things, you know, that's out of our control. But you don't have to stay there. But it's not uncommon to have it. Don't let people tell you, oh, you know, all things working for your good. You know, that verse is in, in this chapter. Uh, you know, and we look at that and say, well, you know, Christ hadn't given us the spirit of fear. But we're still human. But the main thing that we got to look at as Christians is, hey, I'm saved. One day I'll be presented spotless. How are you going to be presented spotless? Because of Jesus. Because right now we're all like leopards. We all have spots. Right? And we can be presented spotless before God through Jesus. And verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit and of life in Christ has made me free 
from the law of sin and death. So what's the law? Well, you know what a law is. You do something wrong. If the police officer sees you doing it wrong, uh, he's going to cite you or arrest you or whatever the case might be, depending on the degree of the law. But you've broken the law. And there's a penalty for breaking the law. So in God's world that he created, the law is here with us today. Some people say, well, we're not under the law. Well, that's true. As a believer, you're not under the law, but the law is still in effect. Why? Because Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. So you're still going to die as a result of sin. And I want to emphasize that with this point here. Two things. One, there's two ways to heaven. And you say to me, hey, you're not a Baptist. There's not two ways to heaven. Yeah, there's two ways. One, you have to live perfect and not break the law. And nobody does that except Jesus. You know, Jesus, had he not been crucified, he could be alive on the earth right now today. Well, you say that's 2,000 years. That doesn't matter. The wages of sin is death. If you've never sinned, you're not under the penalty of the law. So Jesus could still be alive today had it been God's plan. But the second way of going to heaven is through Jesus. Now, I'm not going to bank on the first way. Now, I'm not going to put my confidence in not being, per being perfect and never have broken the law. So the law is still in effect. The law is what convicts a person. If you're here lost today and you've heard God's word, and it's the law that is convicting you that you're guilty because the law's intention was to never provide salvation. The law's work was to be the school teacher to show you you need a Savior. That's the difference between the two. That's what Paul's talking here. So no one lives perfect in God's eyes. So no one's going to be acceptable based on their life. You're not going to go stand before God and say, well, I did more good than I did bad. It doesn't matter. The Bible says you broke one, you're guilty of all. So you're condemned. But that's why that first verse is so great. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Only in Christ can you be free from the law of sin and death. Now, we're still going to die. So the law is still in effect. But for us, it's just a transition period into life. It's, it's a, one of those uh, oxymorons. To, to have death is to have life. You know, people say, I love to hate, or I have death, I have life. How can you have both? Well, that's the way God works. That's the way He intended it. In verse 3, He says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned all uh, in the flesh, sin, all sins condemned. All sin, the, the wages of all sin is death physical and death eternal. There's two deaths for the lost person. You die physically and you die spiritually. For the believer, there's one death. You die physically. You'll never die spiritually. That's why there's no condemnation. And verse 4 says the right, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's a conflict there. That's why you as a Christian, you're saying, oh, I do this and I do that and I think this and I don't do that. And Paul had the same fight. And we don't go into all what he did in chapter 7 or so on, but he talked about the two natures. 
When I would do good, evil's always present. It's always there. I'm always fighting. My mind's always fighting against what God wants. That's not what I want. I, I want to do it your way. And that's why Jesus said to Peter one day, He said, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. You have a willing heart, Peter. You have a willing flesh. But it's weak. It's weak. And Peter then ultimately sinned and denied Christ. One of the great falls that we have in Scripture. But then Peter went on to become one of the greatest men of God. Even ultimately dying for his faith. But he had moments of failure. And he was, he was an apostle. Well, if I walked with Jesus, there'd be no way I'd doubt him. They all did. You know, don't, don't tell yourself when you think you're going to be standing, you're subject to falling. Don't, don't think that in your own strength, you and I can do anything for the spiritual glory of God and out of good. So the righteousness of the law is filled in us. And verse 5 says, For they that are in flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So there's that conflict that's going on, you and I. We battle with God. Well, you really don't want me to do that. I'll do whatever you want, God, but I'm not going to Africa. Or like when we used to have choir years ago, you know, when Ron was leading, Linda was up here, and we were up here singing. Uh, I'd never sing. And I, I was in the choir for 13 years. I said years ago, I'll never teach. I taught kids. I said, I'll never teach an adult class. So for 30 years or so, I've been teaching an adult class. But I'll never do it. So, so you, be careful. Because what you think you're not going to do in the flesh, God has a different plan. And you'll do things. And some of you can relate to all this that we've talked about. Ron, I know, I've always told him, Ron's high energy. I know he had this surgery and all that, but he was up here high energy, uh, you know, for the Lord. Linda, sing her, sing her heart out. Nobody here, you know, if you ever heard Linda sing, you know, you know, sing to the Lord for the glory of God. He'll take nothing and make something. That's how he created this universe. He took nothing and made something. That's what he does in our lives. He takes nothing and makes something. That's what he did. And some of you can attest to that. You're, you're living examples of that. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Boy, don't we want peace. Wait till our vote comes up. Boy, are we, are we having peace? Our politicians are all above board. They're not questionable, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're all just, you know, cream of the crop, right? You know, I'm lying, half-truths here is a full lie. Half-truth is a full lie. Life and peace, but that's what we want, life and peace, right? You want to have a good life, and you want to have peace in your life. That's what everybody wants. And like what you see around our world, oh, we're going to invade that country, we're going to threaten this, or we're going to blow something up, or we're going to, you know, do this back and forth, back and forth. Man is the only creature that God has created that thinks of how he can kill each other. No other animal or creature thinks like man does. I'm going to do something to destroy somebody or kill somebody or have control over somebody. That's the spirit at work. That's the spirit. Verse 7, because a carnal mind is enmity or it fights against God... For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that 
are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're living like the world, if you're seeking after the world, you can't please God. Jesus pleased God in every way. There was nothing that Jesus did that God wasn't pleased with. Nothing. He pleased in every way. But we don't, right? Because we're subject, we falter and fail to the flesh. Because God, in verse 9 there, He says, uh, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man had the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. You're not your own. You've been bought. You've been purchased. You've been adopted. Do you know that if you're a Christian by faith, you're a Jew? Do you realize that? Why? Because Abraham believed God, right? Abraham believed what God said, and it was put in his account that he was right with God. Because God said, well, this is what God says. You have my son, you have life. That's what God said. So you can have peace with God and you can have peace of God because you can have his son if you choose to do so. And he's not forcing it on you. It's a choice. I respect the rights of people. I respect the rights of lesbians, homosexuals, murderers, and all this, all these atrocities we're seeing on TV, this guy on the island that killed and tortured all these people for years, and if indeed he's guilty of all that, he had a right to do what he did. It wasn't right. I'm not saying it was right. He had a right to choose how he wanted to live. I've used this example before. If somebody, if my child or grandchild or somebody is sick and hurting and could possibly die and someone pulls up in an ambulance and they get off the ambulance I don't say are you a Democrat or Republican I don't say are you a lesbian or a homosexual I don't say do you mistreat your wife or your husband all I know is I need help for this child that I care about so I don't care so that's the way we got to look at people is I'm not saying any of that is right lifestyles and right ways and we're not having that debate. I care for their soul. Amen. I care for their soul. I don't want to go murder a doctor who performs multiple abortions. Because I don't agree with something doesn't mean I have the right to take up arms against an individual for their lifestyle or their color of their skin or uh, the country that they come from. Or what is their makeup? I'm responsible. The church, we're responsible to care for their souls. Amen. That's the responsibility of us. God's going to take care of the rest of it in our lives and theirs. I said in Sunday school this morning, uh, some of the most fearful things, I think if you want to be scared, think of this. God records every word you say. That scares me. If I wasn't saved, I'd be scared to death. What have you said over the years? How have we acted over the years? Judgment begins at the house of God. If judgment begins at the house of God, what's going to happen to everyone that's outside? They don't have a chance. They don't have Jesus. They don't have a chance. That's what we have to recognize. The carnalness uh, of our hearts and our minds uh, that so on is, is there. Verse 10 and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, 
but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Not mine. I'm glad my salvation never depends on me because at any time I'm subject to failing. At any moment, I'm subject to failing. If it wasn't for the Spirit of God in me, I would be a failure in life. I would have, and you would not have, a home in eternity. Verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or resurrect, make alive, that's what that word quicken means, make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Do you know when Christ saved you, He saved all of you? Now, don't, don't think that's a contradiction because Paul said when you die, you go into the presence of the Lord. But there's going to come a time when he's going to bring you back and this body that's dead. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's blown up in an explosion or cut up in many pieces or eaten by fish or whatever it might be. God's able to put the pieces back together. And He's going to put your body back together and He's going to unite it with your spirit when He brings it back and you're going to have a glorified body. This chapter is going to go on and tell you that He justified you and He's going to glorify you. So all of you right now is saved. You're just not going to have. You know what you have? We're going to talk about groaning here in a few minutes. You know, as you get older, get up and roll in bed. My shoulder, oh. Oh, you younger people, you may groan a little bit, but not like you're going to when you get my age and older. You're going to groan. But what are we groaning for? What are we owing for? Real Christians are groaning and wanting Jesus to come back. Real Christians want that. And if you're not living with that expectation, question first, are you a believer? Question second, am I living in sin? Because, you know, I want to be Adam and Eve. You know, what I want to do, Jesus, I walked with you in the garden, but now uh, I've sinned. I've eaten the fruit. I disobeyed you. I'm going to hide. I really don't want you to come back right now because I'm hiding because I've got unconfessed sin. But other than that, we should have an expectation. We should be longing for And why wouldn't you long for it? You want to be perfect? No aches, no pains, no cancers, no sickness. No disease, no bills to pay, no money. Oh, no money. Well, all but that one, right? You're not going to need any money in heaven, right? Everything's free. No bills coming, no gas, no utilities, no insurance. And you're going to be perfect. Perfect. That's just, that's amazing to think about. We can't grasp it today. We just can't grasp it. But he's going to resurrect us. Uh, and verse 13 says, For if you live after the flesh, you'll grow to die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you're going to live. You're going to live. The result of it, verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage. You know, people are living in bondage today. People are afraid of COVID. There's still people afraid of COVID, maybe some of you. And I'm not making light of that if you have fears. There's fears of different forms. But and there, there's people that are afraid of terrorists. Uh, especially after the 9-11 happened years ago. People were afraid. People, though, the nation turns a little bit to God. But once we find out, you know, I can go back to my old ways now. I'm not afraid now. 
till something else happens. Then I'm afraid. Now I'm in bondage. And I'm in bondage. Oh, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? Oh, do I do this? Or what do I do? And we live in bondage and fear. And we're afraid of this. And we want to wear a mask. And we want to get injections. And we want to, you know, do all these things that the government tells you to do. And maybe some of it's good and right. But we have fears. We have fears. And we don't realize at times, but through COVID, you know, kind of reveal a lot of things. But even before that and after that, you need to think, if Kroger shuts down today, or Walmart or whatever, if the grocery store shut down, where do you get your food from? If your gas is turned off, if your electric's turned off, if your water's turned off, if you have city water, where, where do you drink? What do you buy? You see, my point being is how vulnerable we really are and don't realize it. We take it for granted. Of course, most of you probably drink bottled water, but if you have to take a shower or go to the tap and you turn the spigot on, you expect water to come out there. No one's going to tell you unless some catastrophe or something's happened. I ain't going to have water to drink today. Or the gas, or the electricity. You're reliant and are reliant, even though we want to think we're independent and are our own person. If all these things start shutting down, I mean, what was it in COVID? How many of you had to make a run to the store? A run, that's probably the wrong word, for toilet paper. Could you get toilet paper at times or did you struggle finding toilet paper? I was ready to go back to the hills. We got some different methods back there to replace that. But I won't go into all those details. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But you know, I'm saying, so we're vulnerable. How much more vulnerable are we to Satan outside of the Lord? He can take you this way. He can take you that way. He can make you feel good, make you think bad, put you in a situation. So he can have someone cut you off in traffic, someone yell at you, someone throw something at you. We're vulnerable. Vulnerable, very vulnerable, and we don't realize it. What real comfort we have in Lord, that that He's going to prepare a table for us, yes. even even when things are not available. Uh, so so we don't have to have the spirit of bondage, as verse fifteen says, the spirit of fear that He's talking about. That we can go to Him, and that word Abba means that we can say Daddy. We can have such a close relationship to God that we can call him daddy. That strong bond of a little child as your little children if you're the dad or mommy, if you want to put mommy in there. Maybe that would help you understand it. That that little child can call you mommy or daddy and has the expectation that you're going to take care of it. Little children don't worry about, boy, I don't know, you know, a two-year-old don't say, I wonder where my next meal is going to come from. All they know is all I need to do is cry a little bit. Uh, some adults, we forget not to do that, don't we? We still got to cry a little bit. The Spirit bears witness with us because why? God's Word. All you got to do your salvation, it's simple. Look in the Bible and see what God says, how you get saved. And you'll see it all evolves around Jesus. Jesus is the hub of the whole thing. Amen. The one who never fails. The one who has all authority. The one who knows everything. 
You know, God knows if you look out this world today and I say to you, I'll give you a hundred million dollars if you can tell me how many grains of sand are on the earth right now to the exact number. Well, one, I wouldn't know, so it wouldn't matter. But you know, God does. He could tell you how many grains of sand are in the earth right now to the number. That's just mind-boggling to, to understand that, how he is. And verse 17, and since you're a child, if you're a child of God, you're an heir and you're a joint heir. In other words, whatever is Jesus's is mine. Whatever belongs to him belongs to me. We're going to share. We're going to share. He's going to share with us as believers. If so be that we suffer with Him, we'll be glorified with Him. And Paul, who is a country boy, a little bit, look at verse 18. For I reckon, I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Here it comes. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who has subject to the same hope. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans. Do you know why you women that have delivered bore children physically have experienced this? But when you get giving birth, the pain's here, right? Countdown, right? 18 minutes, oh. Up, oh, she's at 15 minutes. Up, oh, up, oh. and it gets more intense, and it gets closer, and more events happen in a short period until deliverance. And that's why you see the turmoil our world's in today. It's world. Our world is having birth pains. Our world is groaning for Jesus. Nature is groaning for Jesus. Don't worry about climate change. It's going to come no matter what you do. It, that's, going to, that's true. If you read Revelation, that's really true. That's, that's going to happen. But I don't care how much money they throw at it and want to think that they can stop it. Uh, it's not going to stop. Read Revelation. It's going to get so hot. There's going to be an angel that controls the sun. You know, there's angels controls the elements. And this angel is going to scorch men with fire. In the Revelation, that time that's just around the corner, I believe. And he says in verse 22, the whole creation groans and travails in pain. That's representing a woman giving birth or nature or time winding down. And not only they, but ourselves, we who are believers, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan. Grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body, for our body to be relieved of this world. Verse 24 says, We're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why if man sees it, does he hope for it? But in verse 25 it says, We wait for it patiently. Patiently. You need help in your sickness? You need help where you're at right now today? Look at verse 26. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. What's paining you right now? If you could change something, what would it be? What are you struggling with? What's, what are you being attacked from? Physical? Spiritual? Financial? Emotional? What is it that's attacking you right now? The Spirit of God is there to help. He's there to help. He says, for we don't even know what we should pray for. You ever been there? I don't even know. I don't even feel like praying. I don't even feel like it. And we get in that attitude. But the Spirit is able to have its own conversation on our behalf. Things that we can't even utter. And here's the thing about God. No matter what you do, what work, what you give, how much you pray, whatever. Here's what God knows. Look in verse 27. And he that searches the hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's the difference. God knows what's in your heart. He knows what motivates you and he knows what your thought is. Uh, why you're doing what you're doing. Or why you're not doing what you're not doing and you should maybe be doing. He searches your heart to know. And then that famous verse, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. He didn't say everything that happens to you is good. He said that everything that happens to you, He's able to bring good from it. Not that everything is good in the event of life. And He knew us, verse 29, He foreknew us, He predestinated us. He, he, his, what does He want to do? He wants to work in your life as a believer to make you and I more like Jesus. That's why some things don't always go right in your life. And that's why some people linger in lengthy situations until the switch is turned on and you say to God, what am I supposed to be learning out of this? The quicker we can learn some things, the quicker we can get out of some things. You know that? So keep that in mind. He wants you to be more like Jesus. That's why as a believer, you're in the situation you're in. And when you and I grow, He's willing to go. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom He did predestinate. And people use that predestined. Well, you know, I'm not going to witness today because I'm not going to live for the Lord today because whoever's going to be saved is going to be saved. And that's not what He means. It just means He knew beforehand who was going to be saved. He doesn't tell you don't be active sharing the gospel or living for the Lord. Look what he says in verse 30. He predestinated and he called them. And whom he called, them he also, here it comes, justified. And whom he justified, them he's going to glorify. So he justifies us today. And when we leave this world and he comes back and resurrects us, he's going to glorify. We're going to have a glorified body. A glorified body. One that doesn't groan anymore. No more pain. No more groaning. Verse 31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? Who can stand? Who can defeat us? 
No one can defeat us. He didn't spare, verse 32, he didn't spare his own son. He delivered him to be crucified. He said to Satan, here he is. He said to the world, here he is. Anything you want to do to him, you can do. And boy, they did. Nobody ever suffered like Jesus. Nobody. Nobody ever suffered to that extent. But again, like I said earlier, you know why he was able to endure? Because until he hung on the cross and became sin, he could not die. No matter how much they abused him, it could not kill him. He had to become sin. He could only die on the cross after he took the sins of the world. You want to know who the most wicked sinful person that ever lived was it was Jesus because he took all of our sins every human being's sin was laid on Jesus after that he was able to die but he couldn't have died had he not taken on sin why because the wage of the law the wages of sin is death now he could say I'm ready to, you know he said I'm ready to die he said, it's finished. He's saying, I'm ready to die now. It's finished. I'm ready. Everything's done. Everything's in place. The whole world has the opportunity to be saved now. Every human being that's ever lived or will live or is living today can be saved. Because he said it was finished. On the cross. And one day he'll glorify you and I as believers. So who's with us? God is with us. Verse 35, we're almost done here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who can do that? It's a question mark. Nobody is the answer, but let's read it. Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Or a sword? Can death separate you from the love of God? No. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing can. And it's available for everybody. It's a whosoever will faith gospel. Whosoever will. Whoever wants it. Whoever wants it. Paul tells us. Verse 38, he answers further. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor even angels, nor principalities, nothing that Satan has in his arsenal, no power, nothing present, nothing of things to come, no height, nothing big enough, no depth, nothing too deep, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The decision's yours. If you're not a believer... The decision is yours. Do you want this kind of assurance in your life? That everything's working for your good? That when you close your eyes in death, your eyes are opened in heaven? That's a guarantee. There's nothing more sure than God's Word. Nothing. The promises that He has promised are 100%. He's not like us and says... Well, I'm going to try to be there if I can. No, he, he said, I'm going to be there. He'll be there. There's nothing that's going to stop him. 
Nothing can stop him. But the choice is yours. Let's bow and pray if you guys want to come on forward or whoever. The altar's open. Uh, it's available for you to pray or pray at your seat. If you need any questions that you have about salvation, there's men and women here that will be glad to meet with you, glad to share with you, and speak whatever will help you. That's what this church needs to be about, helping other people. Father, we thank you for your truth, your lesson, your words, God, as only you can do, that you strengthen us in all things, that you, God, provided all things for us, and it's all because of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. It's your choice.